Hi, everybody. I'm sure you're wondering where I've been, and I think we all know that in healing also comes silence. I did not expect to be gone eight months, but life has a way of tucking you inside of yourself and breaking you down, making you feel like you're not good enough. I started to believe that my story was finished simply because I started struggling with talking about it again. So much has happened since episode 7 on this journey, and there were so many setbacks as well. In my absence, I took time to learn and listen, and to see where life was taking me. And I am so glad you're still with me, because we have so much to go over. I couldn't put this off any longer, because I knew I needed to get this episode finished, and I'm finally ready. Thanks to help from a few family members. As a warning, this episode will involve discussion about self-harm and suicidal ideation. We left off in episode 7 about self-harm, and I wanted to take that topic and combine it with something that I recently discovered. The inner critic. Most of us all know that the voice in our head, whether it is our mother, father, sibling, a bully from school, or even a teacher. We have that voice that taunts us and tells us just exactly what we don't want to hear. Most of the time, it's not even how we truly feel, but more of how we've been conditioned to feel and think. No one is born to think so terribly of themselves or others. The inner critic is just that, an inner critic. No one can hear it but you, which gives it all the power over you if you do not understand how to silence it. For the longest time growing up, and even until recently, that voice for me genuinely had control. Most of the time, it was my mother's voice. Others, it was mine repeating to myself how she made me feel or the threats she would so casually toss around to others. When I was 12, it started to just tell me that life was not worth living, that death would be better than a life of this type of control. I never understood then why I wanted to die why I was not afraid of death. I didn't understand because I was a child, and also, when talking to my mother about these feelings, they were always met with, you have no reason to feel like that. So as a daughter, I believed my mother. I didn't have a reason. But that didn't stop the feelings. If anything, it escalated it so far that now, 14 years later, I am only just discovering and feeling that life is really worth living. I was just a kid who had a lot of aspirations and talents, but saw no worth in any of it. I constantly told myself that it wasn't worth it, and with a mother who refused to see that anything was wrong, I just wrote. I wrote journal entries and long poems about how I felt. When she discovered them, my many books of them. She loved them. She loved them so much, she wanted to keep them for herself so she could read them. So what did I do? I destroyed them. 
I don't know why I destroyed them. I told myself it was because they weren't good enough. Because she liked them, that they were garbage. I now know I destroyed them because they were simply pleas for help that were glamorized by a selfish creature. Over the years growing up, I had many times where it all became too much, and I did harm myself. Many times, more than I can count now, that I wanted to die. The older I started to get, the worse it got. I didn't really know what to do about it. I couldn't ever really go through with taking my own life, because I couldn't face that reality. So I just started hoping things would take me out. I learned that this is called suicidal ideation. That means you won't necessarily kill your own self, but you would like to imagine that something will happen to take you away from it all. This became my every day. I stopped harming myself and just sat up quiet in my own head. I threw on a happy face because I thought that if I pretended I was happy long enough, that it would just be the truth. But a lie can never really be the truth. Not really. And I would be lying if I said I do not still have days where I don't still feel that familiar darkness creep in. Especially on the days where I am just too tired to talk over the inner critic. I have found that the inner critic is one of the biggest challenges for me in healing. I was only able to begin harnessing it and making it smaller when I was told that our first thought in any situation is how we were conditioned to think. The thought following second is how we truly feel. And for me, that opened my eyes completely. I had never thought of it that way, and it made so much more sense. Every single thought in my head was negative, but I realized after every negative thought, I felt guilty. It was when I replaced that guilt with sympathy. I didn't feel guilty for thinking that way. I was genuinely sympathetic to the negative thoughts, because in my heart, I knew that that wasn't me. It's who I was molded to be. One way I have been able to take back my power and my inner voice is telling that inner critic, no. I set boundaries with it because it is not me. It is something vile and evil that sits heavy on my brain and my heart. Anytime I hear it or it tries to take over my own thoughts, I do my best to not allow it to. You're so disgusting. I don't know why you even left the house today. No, you're not allowed to talk to me like that. It's almost like talking back to your own mother, only there isn't any punishment for it this time. Because listening to that voice is the true punishment when you're healing. I had to talk to myself like I wanted my mother to talk to me. I had to talk in a nurturing tone to every single negative thought or feeling that came to me. Even right now, there's a faint whisper of, why are you writing? It's not going to get you anywhere. And I know that that is furthest from the truth. At a point, I learned through meditation that I had to go back to those painful moments and save myself. 
save the little girl who felt helpless and scared. I had to burst in like a superhero and tell my mother, no. I had to go back and save myself from her, because she isn't here anymore to hurt me. So I had to stop allowing the hurt that she caused to still take over me. I know it isn't easy for everyone to meditate, and I know some people who do not even know how to meditate. So for the times I couldn't even meditate because the flashbacks were so bad, I used those flashbacks as an opportunity to save myself. I went from letting the flashbacks break me down to standing up for myself and the child who was being yelled at. Now, don't get me wrong, this wasn't a cure-all, but it was definitely the right step in the direction that has brought me here. The last time it got so bad that I genuinely wanted to harm myself, I was 22. I was completely lost and did not know who I was. My mother was still in my life and had a huge part of my everyday life as well. We still did things together, and I was in constant contact with her. I had no stable job, a long-term relationship that was falling apart, and I was so depressed that nothing felt worth it anymore. I had no real home to go to at the time, and no one that really knew the depths of what I felt or had experienced with my mother, except for the person I was with. That was the dead end, it seemed. I fell apart completely, and it felt like my brain switched off. I shaved my head that week and let go of any ounce of vanity that I had left. As I looked in the mirror at what I had done, I sobbed. I cried and I cried because I knew that in that moment, I eliminated the main thing that I thought was the issue. My hair. The vanity around my hair. The hair she worshipped and made my entire personality. I felt free, like I could be anything. In a way, I did kill myself. I took away who I had been so I could become who I wanted to be. I started listening to audiobooks on self-help. And not the kind where there's a guy yelling positive affirmations at you. I'm sure any child who is used to being yelled at can't really sit through an audiobook like that. But I started to listen to books about breaking habits and how our body holds trauma. I learned that so much of the trauma that we endure in our lives settle into our bodies and daily habits, and that it was genuinely my responsibility alone to release it. The books that impacted me the most were The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk and Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. I owe a majority of my progress to these two books because they allowed me to think outside of the daily thoughts and see my trauma as something other than a personality trait. 
From there, I just did my very best every single day to get better. While it was harder while she was still in my life, it wasn't impossible. We've talked about boundaries before, and if you are able to hold up boundaries to a narcissist, eventually they will fall away and find a new source. However, I didn't know that true freedom until the boundary was so strong that there was absolutely no way that she could get back through. Many people have heard this story and ask me if I will ever talk to my mother again. And for right now, the answer is no. That's my boundary. The moment I realized I could live a life without her in any part of it, I have not looked back since. Yes, she is my mother. But that does not change the fact, under any circumstances, that she will ever feel bad or believe that she has done anything wrong. I know I wouldn't have the life that I have right now had my mother not gotten involved with the romance scam. And in a weird way, I am thankful for that. I am happy, even in the worst moments, because dealing with complex PTSD and the aftermath of a mother like her, it will always be a part of you. The key is to not let it be the only thing about you. Because underneath all of it, there is who you are without them. Even if you don't know yourself like that yet, I can promise you it is absolutely beautiful. Because you are beautiful. Healing is ugly. But it is also beautiful. Find yourself in moments where you can talk to yourself like you want to be talked to. Find yourself in moments where you can feel that nothing is wrong. Find yourself in moments where you can feel safe and savor them. Underneath the rubble of what was destroyed, show yourself love and what you wanted to feel. I know you have waited for this episode, and I'm so glad you're here for its release. I have worked hard putting all of this into words and creating this safe space to breathe and feel heard. I am so happy to be back, sitting at my desk, and it may not be the most ideal setup right now, but that's just another hill to climb over. I am always so quick to let small burdens keep me from continuing my passions, because I was taught that giving up is easy, but I do not want that anymore. I want to be here with you, and to continue this journey. A lot of you have reached out to me about possibly introducing interviews with others who also have stories to tell. And I have some good news with that. Episode 9 is set up to introduce one of my great friends and sister from another mister who has dealt with a narcissistic marriage. She asked me if she could come on and we start opening the table to others' perspectives and stories, and I couldn't have been more excited about starting that. It not only helps others be heard, but it strengthens the bond that we have here. Before I go, I just want to say how terribly sorry I am for being gone for so long. I needed some time to reflect on the issues I see in myself and learn how to handle them before I could share the healed parts of it. 
I hope this episode has brought you some comfort. And if you are struggling with suicidal ideation or thoughts, please listen to me. You have people here for you who love you and care about you. Even if you don't believe it, I know you do. You are not a burden, and there is beauty in this life. Even if right now is dark, trust me, I know. There is a reason you're still here, even if it's just to hear this message. So please, take a deep breath. It is going to be okay. If you would like to speak to me about anything at all, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at MMTN Podcast. That's for My Mother, the Narcissist Podcast. Please reach out. I always love reading your messages. And until next time, thank you.